What did you get into this weekend? Do you hear that? Hear what? I thought I heard a cat pawing at the door. Hmm, I don't hear it. Um, we didn't. Can you? Do I sound okay? Yeah, I can just hear your chair. Good thing you know how to isolate audio. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, what what did we do? Um, we played putt putt. Um, I took a lot of naps. It was glorious. Um, worked out. Went to church. I met with a friend. We went for a walk, had coffee. It was just a lovely weekend. What about you? I think I did. What did I do this weekend? I went golfing on Saturday, Sunday. This was a longer weekend, wasn't it? Yes. I've already forgotten what I did on Saturday. (laughs) Out of my brain. But I went golfing with my friend Kara. We did a nine-hole, what have you, whatever, nine holes. Mm-hmm. Was it fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I don't care. Yeah, golf is so fun. I love it. I was, like, cheering, and then I was remembered that you're supposed to be quiet, and I'm like, mm, I really don't care. <laughs> was there many people on the course? There was these people that were, like, right behind us. Like, they were, like, always one thing behind us and you could tell I just felt like you know they're like a hundred feet away but I'm like these people hate us Miranda I'll tell you that uh, there are lots of men that play golf that probably are a lot louder and more degenerate than you ever will be so you're fine that's a good point that's a very good point how do do I sound okay this far away or should I turn up my game no I think you sound good do I sound good this far away can you turn your gain down and why am i too loud oh that's good okay yeah we're we're learning i figured out that if i put my if i plug my headphones in i can sound check myself and that is nice oh yeah yeah i can plug them into the to the bottom of my microphone to this yes gotcha Mm -hmm. yeah that's very helpful No, but you have to have like the little plug-in ones, the one that has like a little the old school headphones. Yes, the uh, yes, it's actually the correct way. I think is they're very old school. I don't think that there's a headphone variation of a plug-in that's older than that plug. Like that's the first one. Like the aux plug. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, that was about all that I did this weekend. I think I did more, but I can't remember. Hmm. I'm working on organizing my basement, which is just so much work. Have you made it very far? Yeah, I have. We have like this. You, do you know what contract contractor trash bags are? They're like really big, really okay. big. And uh, I filled up one of those, and it's very heavy, full of trash. Is it trash or, like, toys or something that you're... Just stuff that we need to get rid of. No, our house doesn't have, like, trash, but... I saw saw you guys decorated for fall. Uh, Yeah, that was not a complete... I felt that I was being... My reputation was tarnished. 
in that video because I wasn't even done. He had like posted, put like some stuff away. And I was like, what is this video? I did not put this up. And I, uh, I'm currently in the process of putting up more stuff and it's not completed yet. So yeah, I feel like I've been slandered. (laughs) To what do you, do you earn that slander? I really wish I understood what you just said. <laughs> Me too. Um, but anyways, I just noticed that he was using his 3D printer. Um, oh, yeah. That's still out right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a 3D printing guy. I'm telling you, if you have a husband, get him a 3D printer. They really <laughs> like it. This is just an idea for a nice Christmas gift. If you don't have any ideas, Marina has told me for every single year, and I'm pretty confident Chad will not enjoy that gift, but maybe your husband will. I feel like Chad might. I don't know. You know, the more I think about you and Chad, and the more I'm like, I don't know shit about this man. That's the point. (laughs) Be seated, not heard. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) It's the, it's, he's the mystery for only me to find out. Oh, okay. I mean, sure. If that's how you want to play it, that's fine. My neighbors have some beautiful landscape and I just get mesmerized when we're recording. I just stare at it. Because you compare it to yours. (laughs) No, I think it's pretty. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't. Part of what I did this past weekend was um, watch this cool documentary. Um, I think it's "Live to Be 100: Blue Zones." Uh huh. Which I told Miranda about it, and I think you started watching it today, right? Yeah, I've known about these for a while, though. A the long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they made a documentary on Netflix about it, and it was—it's been very entertaining for us. So we thought we would talk about it today. Um, I want to tell—we were just going to talk about what exactly is a blue zone, um, where they are located, and then I have some takeaways from. We'll share with you like the pillars of the blue zones, the the things that they do to live to be one hundred. That's basically what it is. Um, well, it's not then, just living to a hundred. It's like active, healthy individuals. And that's like the difference. Well, it's like the blue zone is like people who live to be 100, but like healthy lives. Like they mm-hmm. not only live to be that age, but they lead healthy lives. Like they yes. have a, like they're a hundred years old and they're healthy is the principle. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a big distinction of like, not only are the, a hundred year old folks, they're decently healthy for being a hundred years old, but like the, even the 76, 80 year old, 90 year old people are active commute, like being active in their community. You know, like, uh, I saw like a 90 year old chopping wood. Yeah. Was the, those are the pillars, but the, it's defined. The blue zone is people who are, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you. I just think that, um, you know, people can live to 90 here in America and they're not nearly what <clears throat> I was making that distinction. Yeah. That leading healthy lives. Definitely. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, 
So blue zones, like by definition, they are areas of the world where people live the longest lives. Like we just said, so consistently reaching 100 years old. For contrast, in the U.S., the average age is 77 years old. Okay, so. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, they are, like Miranda had said, they lead a very healthy lives to, which leads them to achieve that age. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Miranda, you said you've known a little bit about them. Is there anything you want to add about, like, with the who they are, anything like that? I mean, I have Before a lot. I have a, so much to say. So I need to put a cap on the amount of things that I would like to say. Um, no, I've I think it's about, fine, but let's set it up. We can set it up, you know. I would say that if you are a vegan and you've been in the vegan space online for a while, you've known about these communities of people that are living to a very healthy 90 plus age. And it's kind of what a lot of vegans point to when people say that vegans don't aren't healthy. They are like, they point to these communities and they're like, what do you mean? The healthiest communities in the world are people that are living plant-based diets. And um, yeah, that's usually, that's kind of what I know about it. I gotcha. mostly know about their diet. It was really interesting yep. to hear about the other aspects that they include in their lives. Yeah, for sure. That's what I would say. Like it is so much more living to 100 is so much more. My biggest takeaway is it's so much more than the food that you eat and the movement. Like, yes, those are two pillars, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that each community, they all collectively, every single one of those communities, at least from what I'm only on episode end of three, so I don't know if I got to every single one of them. Maybe I did. But they all have a diet of less than 1% of their diet being meat and dairy. So I think that is a huge part of it. I do. I think that having a very uh, high fruit, high vegetable, high legume diet will lead you down a better path. Yeah, but I'm just saying like it is to achieve all of them like it's to achieve that it doesn't it's not mm -hmm. just one thing do you know what i yeah. mean like, no i hear you i do like, i think people I just... can be like eat healthy and only live to be 77 you know so this is true this like is think true. of like a perfect example would be like think of grandma right she probably eats you know 90 percent plant-based and but she probably like who knows but she's probably on her way to not live to be 100 no, she's like 76, right? Something like that. That's just an example. Like, that's why I think it's it's encompassing of all of these attributes. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm giving you your floor because I think this is near and dear to your heart in terms of just like you've placed a lot of your identity in veganism and to, you know, let you toot your own horn for sure. Like, I don't, no one's demonizing, at least for me, like I'm not demonizing yeah being vegetarian vegan whatever plant-based but i also don't think it's right to demonize people who eat meat um there's i don't think that there's a place for well, that either i think that me saying that eating a vegan diet is healthy has there in no in in that sentence nobody myself said eating meat is bad i didn't say that you know so like i'm not demonizing anybody that's not my vibe but um i also 
my personal opinion, I think that uh, a huge part of these diets, even because I think that there's many communities that are, uh, let's see, have a lot of the pillars, but have a terrible diet and they are not going to live to these hundred plus ages. You follow me? Yeah, that's why I think what I was saying, like that you have to have them all to mm-hmm. achieve that. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. You can't just have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Without the many. So with that, there are the, um, and I'm going to forget his name, but this, this guy basically goes and um, he's been studying this topic for many, many years. And he goes to these different parts of the world. There are um, how many different places? One, two, three, four, five different places where there's a concentrated amount of blue zones or these people who, like I said, live to this age. And um, what he found when he was studying this, um, some of the themes that he came across were the following that we want to share. So I'm going to go through them pretty quickly and then we can tackle each one and talk about it, give our thoughts, things like that. So there are nine pillars and the first one is moving naturally. So in the documentary, you will see that, and he talks about this, that many of these communities uh, have walk basically everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. They also do a lot of, their own growing of food. Maybe um, they have to, maybe part of their job is very um, labor intensive uh, or, or really is around that. Like they're gardening, they're taking care of like their farm or something like that. Uh, or they have to walk a lot for, because some of these locations are in the city and some of them are remote. Um, so I'll pause there because there are, the locations are in, um, Okinawa, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Nicoya. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Nicoya, Costa Rica, Akari, Greece, and then Loma Linda, California. Mm-hmm. So that, like I said, just to give some context here, um, it's really, it's remote and even concentrated city-like. Um, so the first one, moving naturally. And it isn't, you know, gym based. It is, it is really just like, like I had mentioned before the walking, the typical, their, their occupation requires them to move throughout their day. So I think it's like, yeah, I think it's like mobility, like it's maintaining your ability to move. And I think that they put the nail on the head when they said these folks that are getting up there in age here in America, they're sitting in their chairs They're just literally sitting. And when you spend most of your day on the couch, you are not, you will experience muscle loss in your legs if there was much there to begin with. And so can you imagine when you're uh, 80 years old and you have zero leg muscle and you go to stand up and you fall and then you get injured and then subsequently, you know, it's a fatal injury because your body just can't take that. So these folks in these other communities in the blue zones, they are maintaining their ability to move and not just uh, a slow walk. It's not, it is nowhere near that. It's like, you see these people in this documentary, just like moving at a great speed and they're they're They maintain their agility. 
they're sitting down in crouching positions and they're squatting straight up uh, to an upright position. And it's incredible, really. It's wild to see, I think. Yeah, something that I noticed too was like, or and what they talked about was a lot of these communities when they're when they are walking, it's at an incline. So many of these places, like they are walking at a steep incline. Um, something else, it's like, and something that I took away from this was okay. Here, in what can I do? So for me. I sit at a desk all day. So it's so important for me to be making sure that I'm getting up frequently throughout the day to stand, even if it is just standing, even if it is incorporating just more walks and like, I do have step goal. That's fine and dandy, but making sure I'm just getting up throughout the day to move around. Um, the other thing too, I was like, John and I were watching this. I was like, doesn't this make you just feel so lazy? Because it's like, sometimes, you know, just to like, Every, normal chores like the dishes and putting them off until tomorrow like that just seems so silly when you compare it to these people who are just like it is so natural for them to do these things because they are it's what they do you know you do your chores you get everything done and then you go to like it, it is it just made me think like there's no reason for me to not go to bed with like a clean house and my circumstances are really different compared to somebody who's like you or you know has other responsibilities, but it's like, it just doesn't make sense. Why do I need to watch six hours of television? I don't, is kind of my point. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it is that sedentary life. And I think it's really important to make the distinction that this is a lifetime of this. It's not starting it when you're 40. It's not starting it when you're 50, even though starting it whenever is better than not starting it. But the distinction with these people that they have lived this life their entire lives, it's not a an adoption at 40, if that makes sense. I agree with you. But I do think that there's hope that if you do make these changes, For that, sure. you, know, you could increase your you'll have a You'll have a better life in those later years. But I think that it's really important to say, like, these people have been living like this forever. And that's what I think is very fascinating. And uh, uh, as I'm talking to our audience, which is the age of like 26 to 32, now is the time to get up and move in not just strength training. As much as I love just sitting and lifting heavy weights, it's not just about the weights. It's about maintaining your ability to move in any way that you can. Well, what am I trying to say? Yeah, I don't know how to phrase that, so I'm not going to. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what was I was going to say something else on that. Another thing that kind of we took away from this documentary was like just doing more things. And I think you put this as one of yours too, was just like doing more things with my hands, be it like gardening or, you know, growing my own food. And even just like we talked about like um, – doing sourdough and like making our own bread and making our own pasta and just simple things like that. Not simple things, but just shifts that we can make that, that fall in line with these um, principles that I think one lead to just less processed food consumption. And then also just, again, gets those more of those natural movements incorporated. Yeah. Yeah. I and uh, I think that there's a huge component to uh, gardening 
Gardening <laughs> is highly underrated for what it does to your psyche, what it does for your soul, as in literally watching something that you grew, it it's so good for your mental health. It is highly underrated what it can do for you. And I think we'll touch more on this when it, we talk about food, but because yeah. like there's two parts to gardening. I think that one, it, it's great for you to eat the foods that you grow, but also the act of doing it mm -hmm. is what is uh, highly beneficial, I think. I agree. Um, the next pillar is purpose. So purpose can be interpreted for me very differently than like Miranda differently. Um, but ultimately it's, it is, you know, why you wake up in the morning and what is your, what is your purpose in this life? And those who have a sense of purpose are li living these longer lives and living more vibrant, healthy lives. Mm -hmm. For me, that really took away just like continuing to strengthen my faith, um, and, and making that a pillar of my health, like it is truly so important. And even just the research of that, right? Like, so I'll speak from like a faith-based point of view is having a religious practice, um, of going to church or even church and prayer, daily prayer, you know, you're looking at, uh, a social network, which we'll talk about. So you have that that social community piece that you may be wanting to enhance in your life, but then it's also reduced stress and anxiety and a sense of purpose. So that's just a couple of things that come out of just faith alone, fulfilling the sense of purpose, reduced stress and anxiety and that community component. So that's, that was the takeaway from you was like, yo, daily prayer, daily or weekly church attendance and Praising to my number one God is going to do a lot for my health and longevity. Yeah, I think that having a purpose is, it's hard to identify what you, what it is for you as an individual. And I think it's an important thing to identify that like purpose doesn't mean making the most income ever purpose isn't I live for my 40 hour week or my 40 hour work job. Am I saying that right? 40 hours, 40, 40 hour, hour work. Week. Yeah. Hour work if week. you make that 40 hour work, your life purpose, I mean, that's a s not fulfilling, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's fulfilling about that? Cause you live for your work, but your work is making you miserable. So if your if your life purpose is something that's making you miserable, like yeah, what? Of course that's not fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, for and me, really my purpose just... is. Oh, go yeah. on. No, go ahead. I was going to say my purpose is just being this mom that my kids can count on to be there for the rest of their lives. I mean, uh, maintaining my health for just my children is what drives me every single day. So it, it looks like it looks different on everybody. And I mean, I would say that purpose can also be being a very compassionate person to those around you. 
So when you live to be a really, a person that people can rely upon for love and support and, you know, whatever else falls under that umbrella, that is also a very fulfilling purpose, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, it truly, it takes with it within the, you as an individual to reflect on what your purpose is mm-hmm. in this life. I do think that for some people it can look very different. Um, but ask yourself, that takes a lot of reflection to understand. And it's, it's mm-hmm. nothing that we can, you know, share for you. It's something I think for you to find out. It takes self-reflection, which is like the hardest being self-aware is very, very hard. So yeah, I encourage you all that are listening to dive into that. Okay. So the third and my favorite is de-stress. So Mm -hmm. they talk about, um, from these different cultures. So ancestors and Adventists is prayer naps and for the Sardinians was happy hour. So it obviously looks different among different cultures and these different communities, but uh, understanding what that is for you. So for some people, it does look very different to be able to de-stress. Um, and, and they talk about that in that documentary. I think the thing with de-stress to me, it's like, there's a lot of trial and error that is in, involved um, to find what works f- for you. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say on it. It's just that there's a lot of trial and error that might require for you to find out what, what that looks like for you. I want to put a pin in this question because I don't want to forget. But I would like... So I put a note in here that was stress relief. How to relieve stress when you live a stressful life, because there's no doubt that like many people have an extremely stressful life that we just can't even comprehend. So in those instances, how do you relieve stress? So I want to put a pin in that because I would like to return to that. Maybe not this episode, because that feels like a whole episode in itself. But I guess, yeah, I want to leave that with you and anybody else because we can probably work on that yeah because there are people who lead very stressful lives but don't experience that don't experience stress or they know how to manage it in a way that is healthy and can allow them to you know function in society without being a debilitating so it's possible for sure Um, i think it's finding what it is that works for you appropriate an appropriate coping mechanism for sure because i mean i don't think that i could have found a way to relieve stress without going through therapy but not everybody does have access to therapy so that's what i'm trying to get at is that like there's some things that maybe people don't have access to but yeah i want to put a pin in that because i would love to talk about stress because i think that this is a massive part of it i really do I think that what puts people in the hospital day in and day out is just a ridiculous amount of stress. And of course we're stressed. How much of a stress is perception of your reality? For sure. What I'm saying is... I'm not... I'm just... Listen, I know what you're saying. 
I know what you're saying. I'm saying, but I want you to noodle on that, right? How much of that is their perception? I mean, I don't know. It could be, it could be anywhere. I mean, I think that there's our situation, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I used to think that I was stressed out, but uh, I have nothing to really stress about. So my stress kind of (laughs) disappeared. Yeah, it was all cooked up in my own brain. Absolutely. And I think that there's also people on the opposite, you know, where they have just an extremely stressful life. And like, how do you escape that? You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the fourth one is, this was funny, or not funny, but they have a word for it in, for the, I'm, I'm butchering this, the Akawan, Akinawans. Akinawa. Um, you just say it every time. Um, it's known as Harahachibu. Okay. But basically what it means is eating until you're 80% full. So they have, this is just a practice that they have in this community where they just note, they observe when they are reaching that point of 80% and not reaching that 100%. So a lower, 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 lower caloric intake overall. Um, they also, most people in these blue zones, they're eating their smallest meal in the late afternoon and early evening. Um, and they really don't eat after that. So I just thought that was interesting as well as just their, the size of their meals in the later half of the day, which there's science to support that that's um, actually really beneficial for us. Um, but then also just paying attention to those fullness cues. Yeah. I, there's a, I can't remember where I heard this, but it's like you eat like a king for breakfast, a prince for dinner or lunch, and then a popper for dinner. So your meal starts big, medium, and then small. And also yeah. what they pointed out was there, which I heavily relate to this, when they calculate the calories in a meal that they made, it's like a 300 calorie meal. And I heavily relate to that when I'm calculating something and I think it's it's this big portion, but it's only 350 calories. So it, uh, you're already, these folks are already eating a very non-calorically dense diet. And I think that not under eating specifically, I think it's just not overeating is yeah, a huge. So for sure. And something that they referenced in this documentary was like, so for the Japan community, I think they were averaging like 1900, 2000 calories and our recommended calorie intake in the U S is 2000, but, uh, Americans are eating 3,300 calories. So 3,300 calories. So the USDA recommends two, excuse me, 2,000 calories. And we're eating 1,300 calories above that is the average. So we're already in an excess of calories, which is very easy to do when we are in a, oh, I'm losing this. When we are consuming largely processed foods. So high fat do high fat sense. foods. When you have um it, like we've talked about this before, a tablespoon of oil is a hundred calories. And a lot of these meals are at least a tablespoon of oil. So you can imagine that just uh, is already what if you have three meals a day, you're talking at least four hundred calories extra. Mm-hmm. A day. 
Sorry, I have to adjust my sound. I don't know why um, it's not bringing it down lower. Um, any other notes that you want to make on the 80%? On the what? On the 80% fullness. I didn't even write that one down. Lower caloric intake, lower animal product. Yeah, I mean, stuff that you guys know that I'm all about. Yeah. So going on to number five, then, is people in blue, zo blue zones eating 95% plant-based diet. So they're consuming three to four ounces of meat around five times a month. So probably having meat um, once a week. Um, their diets consist of vegetables, legumes, whole grains, nuts, olive oil. Um, primarily, their, their uh, diet is carbohydrates. Um, 20% fats and then 15% per protein. Yeah, there's this, uh, a lot of vegans. I personally don't do this. It's the 80-20-20 diet and it's 80% carbs, 20% protein, 20% fat. Personally, I don't do that. But it's really easy to do that on just a regular standard vegan diet. Uh, like if I were to just eat a standard vegan diet, that's what it would come out to be if I didn't uh, do what I do to manipulate and increase my protein. Yeah. yeah. Um, so take that obviously with what you will. Um, I, I didn't really have any takeaways on the food part. Um, I just think I, I eat a lot of fiber as it is, which is like the overarching goal. Um, I have different opinions on meat, so that's just my school of thought mm -hmm. what was the next take um it was wine at five you mean the next pillar yeah yeah the next pillar is wine at five so um all but the adventist which were um which is the religious community they um drink one to two glasses of alcohol per day with friends and with food so it's obviously very low low consumption of alcohol um although seven seven drinks a week and if you do if you double that that's 14 drinks a week that seems like a lot so i think what they were trying to to convey here is that they are meeting in community with people and using that time to stress relief but they incorporate it with an alcoholic drink but not an over consumption of it um I personally have opinions of alcohol that like, I think we're healthier without it. So I, I personally, um, mm -hmm. didn't take, have any takeaways on this front. What about you? I mean, I, I think if somebody wants to have a glass of wine, I also think that their wine that these folks are drinking is like made by their own farmers. So of course it's going to be different. And I think that, in that scenario and having just like one of those a, a night, it could be okay. Personally, I don't want to drink and I don't think I can because of my, you know, Crohn's disease, but you know. Yeah. I, I mean, any, even just one glass of wine is going to raise your, it's going to elevate your heart rate. It's going to require your, it, it affects your body. So, um, I, I truly think the, the reasoning behind this or, or, you know, why this, these communities do this is for the social connection. Correct. I think so too. As, as we even here in uh, America experience the social aspect of drinking and how honestly challenging it is to be social and not drink. Right. 
Yep. Um, well, it brings us to that net, their seventh pillar, which is finding your community. So most of the blue zones are religious with a majority of people belonging to faith-based community. And many studies on faith and religion have shown to be associated with a lower risk of death. So I, like I said, woman of faith, I, I completely agree with it. There's science to support that these people live longer. Um, but that was just something that they found in these communities. I've already shared that that is something that connected with me. Do you have any takeaways on that one? What I think is a big um, a piece of having religion in your life is you live for something that's outside of yourself. Yeah. And when you eliminate the narcissism, of course, like I think it de-stresses your life when you are when you live a life surrounded by yourself, like it's going to do, it's going to isolate you. It's going to stress you out. It's, I think it's going to cause a lot of things. So I think when you have a religion and you have this idea that like there's something bigger than you, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's benefit to that. Absolutely. And there is absolutely science to suggest that, um, you know, it does yeah. exist, that there's a correlation. Yeah, so there is. Um, I'm glad you pointed that out, and I, I agree. It's. Uh, I will tell you that I've never experienced more peace in my life than I have with believing in God and believing in Jesus Christ as my Savior. You want to talk about s- stress and giving that up and surrendering that to something that is that is bigger than me, that is the creator of this earth – Yo, that's on another level. Like, uh, try that and then let me know how that works for you. If you, like, want to break down to your knees, I mean, that is just something that I think is is powerful in itself. So I like that you yeah. pointed out the stress. But, yes, it is that sense of purpose, again, that we talked about. Mm-hmm. I think that these are all heavily intertwined. Um, sure. Hitting one without the other is kind of hard to do that so number eight and this one um resonated with me um so family member loved ones first so putting family first um and and really it's the idea of like grandparents so the the elder um the elders of a family live closer or live near their um their their family so you know like uh their kids, their grandkids, that they, they all have a, um, a, a touch point often where they are seeing each other and they're connecting with one another. Um, and that was a huge part of, of increasing their lifespan as well. So I thought that was interesting. Um, for me, I was like thinking to myself with like dad and, or our parent, like our dad. And I was like, well, he just needs to move to Texas. I'm like, maybe we'll just like all move somewhere where we can all be together because I think as those times come, it will be really important. And that was a takeaway for me. Absolutely. And I I think of, well, you know, it's not just living closely because you know, my husband, his grandma lives 20 minutes from us and like they, he never sees her. So I think it's more than just being actually close. It's like, putting in work in your family Mm -hmm. and reaching out like dad and I talk on the phone once a day 
And I have no doubt that that's going to help him later on. Yeah. He is hearing about my day. He's there's something for you to look forward to. And it again, gives you purpose. It gives Mm -hmm. you that sense of community. And then when you have a close bond with people, it allows you to open up and not bottle up those feelings because I don't think bottling up feelings is good for your physical and mental well-being. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I thought that I think you're really good uh, and you have been for the past couple of years making that a priority. I and I I'm I definitely have learned that from you. So it's something that I want to work on myself. I think building bonds with family is huge and it drives me crazy that Vito's whole family, like I think every single one of the family lives in uh, either St. Louis or, you know, across the river and then nobody ever sees each other. And I just can't imagine how that, I just, I, I, I don't think that it's beneficial at all. But however, like I said, when you have family near you, it's not just having them near you. You have to be a good person for them to want to be in your life. Yeah. So I think, oh, I wrote down in my notes was to be nice to people. I think that being nice to people is a sense of purpose, is what builds community, is what binds people to you. If you're a good person, people are going to want you in their life and then in turn gives you purpose to like, you have something to live for. You have something to live for other than yourself. Like uh, I want to maintain a healthy life because I want my friends to, I want to be around my friends for as long as I can. I want to be around my family. I think that it all is heavily intertwined and it's really important to not just live for yourself. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mhm mhm. I couldn't agree more, sister. Um okay, the last point here is the right tribe. So they talk about just um that these people uh were born into groups of five friends that committed to each other for life. So they have they have good, good healthy friendships that they have been able to maintain for a long period of time and that was really critical to them can reaching these, you know, extreme ages. So I thought that was a good point. Um, it just, it goes to show it's the same thing that we've been talking about. Social networks are just really, really important, um, in longevity. Yeah. You know, he did say to always have a vegan nearby to teach you plant-based meals. Did they? He did say that his name was Dan Butner, 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 something like that. And yeah, he said, keep a vegan nearby and they'll teach you plant-based meals. So I'm that vegan nearby that can teach you some plant-based meals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Um, I love this discussion. I think it was cool. Uh, this documentary is very interesting. So give it a watch on Netflix. Obviously, like, uh, do your own research, make your own assumptions. Like they put a disclaimer out there before. This is not medical advice. I mean, no. you mm-hmm. obviously need to be your own steward of your life, um, but it's just some things to consider. I thought it was worth having a conversation about. I think that 
even if your goal isn't to live to 100, I think doing all these things, which is something that I've been working on for the last year and a half, is every single one. Oh, my gosh. Every single one of these little pillars has been I, half of it has been my focus for about 10 years. And then the the entirety of the list has been my a big focus of my life in the last year and a half. And I think if you do all these things, you're guaranteed at least a few good years. Yeah. I can't speak for anything past that because we never know what's going to happen. But if you do all them, you're going to feel good. And that is the difference. Life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. we want good years, not just years. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. Well, that's about fun. it. Yeah, I agree. If you liked it, uh, let us know. Like, follow the podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, wait. We didn't introduce this. Oh. Did we? Need to this is the Better Than Nothing podcast. Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs>